Welcome to Discover Indie Film. I'm your host, Jeff Howard, and I've got Justin Serkin with me. Hey, Justin. How you doing, Jeff? Thanks for having me. I'm good. Thanks. Thanks for being here. All right. So this is our second podcast we're going to record because people should right now, the podcast before this one in the Discover Indie Film podcast feed is a nice long interview with Justin all about him, his award-winning film, Reseda. I didn't mention that in the first. I didn't mention one programmer's prize at Sherman Oaks Film Festival. But yes, I met Justin at the Sherman Oaks Film Festival in November of 2023. And this is now 2024, by the way. Weird. And uh, so learn all about him and his film, Reseda, in the podcast before this one. Because in this podcast that you're listening to, we're going to do the Discover Indie Film Four Questions, which are name three favorite films, name an underrated film, name an overrated film, name a lesser known film that people should seek out. Uh, my warning to you is there are no rules. If you got to name a fourth favorite, uh-huh. I ain't going to stop you. I'm not. I don't have on a black and white striped shirt with a whistle. If you want to not name an overrated, whatever, <laughs> it's up to you. It's really just to have a fun conversation about movies. Um, and I, you know, I never want the discussion of movies to cloud the interview side, right? Because because it should be about you and your work. So, you want to hit me with your faves? Yeah. So my three favorites that I chose. The first one is The Matrix um, from 1999, directed by the Wachowskis. A near perfect film. I would call it a perfect film. I absolutely would call it a perfect film. Yeah. My second choice would be uh, George Lucas's 1973 film, American Graffiti. Love that movie (laughs) to death. No, it's a great movie. Mm -hmm. It's a great movie. And then my third is a film from 2003. It's a South Korean film, Memories of Murder by Bong Joon-ho. Have you seen that? I have not seen it. Oh, man. Korean cinema and yeah, that Bong Su Ho. That's the Parasite, Parasite, yeah. and, and other great films. I yes. actually have had a lot of people tell me that Parasite's amazing, and he's got way better films. He, I, I think Parasite is one of his best ones, but I think Memories of Murder might be his best movie. Yeah, yeah. You know the problem with when you're my age is like everyone's like Korean cinema, and I'm like. Oh man, when I was young, it was about European cinema. Like, uh-huh. <laughs> you want me to, you want me to like go back and 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 watch like a hundred films? I'm I, sorry, I don't have time. I got it's a bummer. I always try to show my dad like Korean. Like I showed him Memories of Murder, and he really enjoyed it. But he probably wouldn't have watched that uh, on his own. Well, it's just tough. It's tough to get into a whole new, a whole culture worth of yeah. film. Yeah. Like like there's hundreds of films to watch. Mm-hmm. I'd have to stop watching dumb shit on streaming services. You know, there's something uh, I didn't mention in the in the first podcast, but I my generation has had the most access to films than any other generation. And so I think we're able to broaden our scope a bit because, you know, I've I'm seeing memories of murder now. The most access young anyone's ever had, most access to other cultures anyone's right. ever had. Mm-hmm. Like it used to be if you were into foreign cinema when I was your age, mm-hmm. it was just at the Lemley Theaters. Like, yeah. like you just had to wait. And everyone thought that like European films were the best because they'd make 150 films a year mm-hmm. and we'd get three of them. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you're like, right. They're always great. Turns out, no, it's just we only saw the good ones. Uh-huh. Yeah, so those would be my three favorites. 
Excellent. Excellent. Well, well, good choices. And Matrix is perfect. And American Graffiti is a great film. Oh, yeah. A lot of people don't realize that was a huge, huge success, too. And that's what set up Star Wars. It set up Star Wars. It also really brought this kind of... uh, It affected the culture because people were were having nostalgia for the 50s and the early 60s, which... And and by the way, the movie only takes place about 11 years before the movie came out. But the world had changed so much um, from in those 11 years that when they saw the movie, it was so... It, it just took them back to a time that was gone, and people, I think, missed that. Yeah, it's literally like yeah. basically pre-British invasion, pre-Flower Power. Yes, yeah, But they were watching it right after Watergate. Exactly, yeah. Well, yeah. excellent. Good choice. Mm-hmm. Way cooler, by the way, to name that one than one of the Lucas Star Wars ones. Yeah, I mean, I love, I mean, obviously I love Star Wars, but, but American, it's great. But American Graffiti really is one of my all time favorites. And uh, I think it's one of the best coming of age movies ever made, if not the best. I just think it, it set up a lot. Like, John Hughes doesn't exist without uh, American Graffiti, in my opinion. I remember, this is a tangent, unrelated, but I remember an interview with Ron Howard mm-hmm. where like, George Lucas shot the film in chronological order. Every scene was oh, shot wow. in order. Wow. And, and I remember him saying, he said, and I, I said to George Lucas, like, you don't have to shoot in order. Like, he was already at USC Film School. He like, <laughs> we could shoot this all out of order. And George's like, no, I need this to build the right way. Uh-huh. You know, like, he, he was actually... Mr. Lucas doesn't get the credit because of the Star Wars mega mansion, whatever, mega, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. He was a really experimental filmmaker. Oh, yeah. THX 1138 is like, that's like the definition of like an experimental feature film. And American Graffiti almost has a Cassavetes vibe, right? Absolutely. It has this vibe where he tried to shoot it like it was almost like a documentary of that time and it really brings you in i think that's one of the best aspects of the movie when i watch that movie i feel like i'm hanging out with my friends i feel like i'm i'm back in that time and i've never i wasn't the way before my time and that is what your film receipt is like it's like hanging out with some people <laughs> yeah. you know what i mean like like that totally. is what we that is some of the greatest films are yeah mm-hmm. that's why people walk up to movie stars and act like they know them yeah <laughs> <laughs> for sure yeah all right cool well second question is a film that is underrated yeah a film i feel is kind of underrated is um i'm going to name another wachowski's film it's their first movie called bound which came out in 1996 and it is i think a extremely underrated film because it it is so stylized and it it's a almost like a comic book movie and it was this was before the uh, how Marvel movies were super popular, but it has the style that feels very comic book like, and it's the same style in the Matrix, except they perfected it more in the Matrix. But also, Bound is about um, is about this uh, woman who's married to a, a mobster, and she falls in love with another woman, and that theme was kind of a rare thing thing to see in the 90s when when this came out and 
that combined with this kind of comic book like style, I think is really crazy and cool. And I'd like to see more of that. I wish there were more movies like bound. It's a great crime movie too. Bound is a great movie and bound. I'm going to say like it's revealed now the Wachowski yes. sisters, yeah. Yeah. but bound is a fantastic feminist film in that Gina so, Gershon is such an active hero. Absolutely. That character, I love character and Jennifer Tilly too. But, but mm-hmm. like, but, I bet most of Hollywood would have said make Gina Gershon a guy. Oh, I'm I I'm sure they said that. Yeah. yeah. But the fact that they it's such a strongly feminist film, I, I I just yeah, it's a great film. I think it much more now is 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 revered. It's it doesn't I still think it's not talked about enough that movie. But um I'm I, with you. I'm um, with you and I think Gina Gershon I don't know why she's not in like five movies a year. I know, I know. I, I I have theories, which is just that she has self-esteem and won't degrade herself as Hollywood demands. But mm. what are you going to do? But by the way, her Curb Your Enthusiasm appearance was fantastic. Wait, when is she in Curb? She plays the Orthodox Jewish woman at the dry cleaner who, when Larry makes You're it so to his 10th right. anniversary, so I can't right. believe I oh pulled that out of my ass. I forgot about that. That is. And so Gina she's Gershon, willing to bang Larry. And then it, of yeah. course she's fucking hilarious in that. Hilarious. She's I told brilliant. You, I didn't even realize that. Wow. Brilliant. <laughs> there you go. I, I wrapped him bound with curb. That's great. <laughs> I didn't, I, I had no idea, man. That's, that's nuts. That she's a great actor. She She's is really she wonderful. is superb in every way. Yeah, she really is. Damn, and grew up in the valley. What do you know? Where do you know her in the valley? I believe she and Val Kilmer and Kevin Spacey went to Granada Hills High together. Oh wow! Okay, like they were in high school productions together. Those three, I think. Wow, I think I've That's heard a, that. I've I think I've seen a picture of them in high school together. That's crazy. Go figure. Yeah. Dang. <laughs> All right. Question three is really yeah. fun. A film that you consider overrated. <laughs> so I just want to tell you, I I had to think about this one because I don't often think about movies that are overrated. I try to think of movies that are usually underrated. But this was a recent movie that I felt was kind of overrated. And I didn't really get why people thought that this was so great. But it would be the most recent Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse film. Oh, the second animated the one. second one. I think the first one's very good, um, but I think the second one was was fine. I I just didn't think it was, I didn't think it was as uh, great as the first one. I I think the problem with it is the the villain. There's like a bait and switch with the villain halfway through the movie, and the movie ends in a way that doesn't conclude the the when they switch to the the second villain when they focus on that. It doesn't conclude that, so it feels a little inconsistent. And um, the animation is great. I think the story is fine. I like the story of the first one more. I, f- I feel emotionally more involved in the first film. Sounds like it. I didn't see it. Mm-hmm. But it sounds like it has the problem that I have. I won't name the sequels I have a problem with. Mm-hmm. But it sounds like it has that sequel problem of they already have some studio head has it in mind. Okay, we're going to do five of these. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't have... A real ending because they're they're just trying to set up the next one and the next. You know right. what I mean. Sometimes right. Hollywood does that where it's like 
the continuing story in, uh-huh. in, instead of like a great another great film that has a beginning, middle, and end. That's that's like a. I think oh, there's so many movies, especially sequels, that try to have the Empire Strikes Back feeling, like just that feeling that you get at the end of that film. But the Empire Strikes Back has a very clear beginning, middle, and end. It doesn't feel like it's overtly trying to set up Return of the Jedi, to me at least. I think it really is its own movie. It is, and has its own climax, but the climax clearly sets up the story to follow. It does, certainly, but I just think more most movies don't do it that well. And yeah. I, I don't think Across the Spider-Verse did it that great. I saw through it. I think uh, another movie like that is, um, and I wish that this movie was was better, is The Matrix Reloaded. I think the end of The Matrix Reloaded really tries to, like, that's the in. third one, right? Second one. Oh, second one. Okay. Yeah. It really tries to be the Empire Strikes Back, but um, it just it, it doesn't pull it off. You know, I wish the Wachowskis could just get another run at that. Instead of doing a fourth Matrix, they should have gotten a remake two and three. <laughs> well, I mean, here's the thing: like with the with those two, they were they fil- they filmed them back to back, so they had like a epic story. I think. Matrix Reloaded would have been better if they had an and Matrix Revolutions. I think that would have been better as one movie and just cut a bunch of stuff out. For sure, because there is a lot of filler. Yeah, unfortunately. But hey, I, they have both films have some stuff I I admire. Agreed. Yeah. I mean, we sh- I I showed my daughter all three, you know. Uh-huh. I wasn't going to be like I was tempted to go, let's watch The Matrix and you got to pretend 2 and 3 never happened. But then we watched them because I was I was curious to see if if they were better than I remembered, and they were better than I remembered, I think. Uh-huh. But not great films. Not not when the first one is flawless and perfect. And yeah, they just they pale in comparison to the first one. But I think the second one has some really insanely good action in the film. I mean, there's this whole like freeway chase, which yeah, I think that's... it's just the story's not there. The story, yeah. I mean, the first one has amazing action within an amazing story. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The story is not uh, as great. In the also, film. I feel like they did what, Lu- I mean, they love Lucas, right? They did what mm-hmm. Lucas pisses me off with, which is if the audience is sure something like after Star Wars, after The Matrix, everyone expected, okay, so now the next film is going to be about Neo freeing people. And they're like, no, we're going to do something totally different. Right. And it's yeah. like, I don't know, I kind of wanted to see the movie that you did set up. But anyway. Mm-hmm. I'll shut up. <laughs> and I'll ask you question number four, which uh-huh. is a lesser known film that people should seek out. It's another one I, I thought really hard about. Um, but this film is a Taiwanese movie from 1992. It's directed by uh, Sai Ming Lang, and it's Rebels of the Neon God. Have you ever, have you ever seen that or heard of that? No, that's one of the coolest titles I've ever heard. I know, right? <laughs> yeah, it's... um. It's a drama film. It's about uh, these teenagers who are growing up in Taipei, the city of Taipei, and it's not. It's not like a happy movie. It's it's a it's kind of a it's a sad movie. I mean, there this the film is really focused on the environment that these that these uh, children live in, and it's very very interesting. And it gave me a very it showed me how other people live outside of uh, the United States 
uh, in a way that I guess because I'm a young person, I was kind of putting myself in in the character's shoes and seeing uh, how they were, you know, responding to their environment. And it's a really fantastic movie, and it doesn't get talked about at all. There you go. You're you're proving the breadth of cinema you're experiencing in this era of borderless streaming. Yeah. Because uh, <laughs> you love Korean cinema. You're uh-huh. naming something from Taiwan. Yeah. I know. Sometimes I've. I know we had a film at, I think it was Sherman Oaks. It might have been Film Invasion LA last year from an American, but he lives in China and he's making, he's just, you know, shooting stuff on a prosumer camera in China and making like shorts and stuff. Mm -hmm. And it's like, man, there's an underground cinema scene. There is, yeah. In probably China and there's, there's. Three billion people to get put together in China and India who are probably doing really amazing stuff that we don't get to see yet. Right. And I, it's so exciting that this is something I like about the internet is that it can actually expose you to these other films that you wouldn't otherwise see. And that I got exposed to this movie because um, I was watching a YouTuber. Uh, his name is Karsten Runquist, and he's, uh, he's like a video essay. Uh, guy on YouTube and he does he only talks about movies but he has a he does this video every uh, month where he talks about what he watched and one of the movies he watched was another film by this filmmaker and I looked that up and then I just was searched looking at who this filmmaker was and I saw this was his first movie Rebels of the Neon God and I thought the title was so fucking cool and I read about what it was about and I thought this is so up my alley, and I watched it. it I had I searched very hard for it too. Uh, it wasn't available on. I don't think it was available on Amazon. It wasn't available on Apple TV. And I even looked at CSUN at their library to see if they would have it because sometimes they do, but they didn't. So um, I was able to find it on some site that you know for free. <laughs> right, right, yeah. just somewhere. It's amazing. It's yeah. amazing. Yeah, every nook and cranny. Uh-huh. I just really the, wanted to watch it. At least you didn't have to torrent it. That's not bad. I did not torrent it, thankfully. I've never I mean, torrented a movie. I've only done it with films that I owned on, like, VHS, uh-huh. and they chose to not release. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? Like, like there, there's some issues with, like, what you can get. Right. And I, I figure if I've already paid for it, I can download it. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not I'm not really hurting anybody. Uh-huh. But I don't do it much. I don't yeah. do it much. I try not to do it. In fact, I all the time argue members of my house are like just torrent it and I'm like, "No, we're going to pay 5.99 cuz we mm-hmm. like movies and yeah. we if we and if if everyone steals them then they won't be able to make them." Uh-huh. And then, you know, especially if it's a indie film or a foreign film, you know. I absolutely would have paid for this movie. I just couldn't find it anywhere. Absolutely, right? Yeah. <laughs> In this world where you're supposed to have like a billion choices, you still can't see everything. Yeah. I know. It's crazy. Whenever I'm whenever I'm like on streaming and I'm like, I want to watch a movie and I'm looking at like the streaming service, it's like so many movies and I, I don't know. I don't know what, what the fuck I should watch. Um uh, nowadays, I usually have the movie in mind what I want to watch before, and then I'll look on streaming and see if it's on there. And more like, like ironically, a lot of them are not. A lot of the movies I want to watch are not on streaming. 
So, you know, <laughs> it is wild. It's, it's wild. wild. It's, yeah. it's, it, yeah, there's, what is it? Is, is the website justwatch.com or whatever? Like you can, it can help you find things like, like, yeah, finding what you want to see is almost harder than ever, mm-hmm. but obviously it's not because you can get more than what's on the shelves at the local video store. Right. It's interesting. There is a video store, by the way, uh, it's still in LA. It's called Cinephile Video. And it's, um, I think it's on Santa Monica Boulevard. Yeah, it's next to the new art. Exactly. It's next to the new art. Um, they have a lot of great stuff there. Love that place. Gotta tell you, I haven't been there for 20 years. Wow. But yeah, I think, isn't, I think in Santa Monica too, like over near the bowling alley near the beach on Pico is that famous one. Oh my God, what is it? Vidiots? But anyway. Yeah, yeah. There's Vidiots is a, it's in Eagle Rock actually. Or, well, they might have more than one then. They might, yeah. I went to one. Uh, I went to the one in Eagle Rock uh, recently. They, they. It's also a theater. They have a theater, but they also have a video store, which is so cool. Yeah, nice. Yeah. All right. Well, hey, excellent list. Yeah. Man, I wish I could say I have time to watch uh, Rebels of the Neon God because I, I really want to, but I don't know. Another festival's coming. I, yeah. I gotta. <laughs> all, I, all I gotta do is why it's. Oh, check it out when you have so many, when it's over. So many films to watch. But man, I saw some amazing films yesterday, actually. Right. I'm watching sure, uh, unbelievably good sci fi films. Mm-hmm. Two from Europe, wow. Sweden, and somewhere else. Crazy. All right. Anyway, that's my excuse for not watching films is, <laughs> is that I'm actually watching a lot of truly indie films. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, I'm going to speak for you now. If you want to learn more about Justin, Justin Sirkin, just. Go to his his uh, Instagram will be a clickable link in the show notes, but it's at justinaaronserkin.com. Justin and Aaron, you should know how to spell Aaron with two A's. It's a, sorry, it's um my, that's my Instagram. Oh, Instagram. Yeah, what did I saw, call it? You, you called it my website, but. Oh, shit. Yeah. I meant Instagram. All good, all good. Because it's an ad. Uh-huh. And Sirkin is S-I-R-K-I-N. But it'll be a clickable link and it will link to the right place. I promise. <laughs> and uh, and then I'll get us out of here by spieling off other websites and social media handles. So this is the Discover Indie Film Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. By the way, I forgot to say this last time, but be nice and, uh, you know, subscribe to it. Give it five stars if you can. Blah, blah, blah. Be a, be a supporter of Indie Film. If you want to learn more about this podcast or the TV series born from it, go to discoverindiefilm.com or it's at wins on social media. Uh, I mentioned the TV series. That's actually uh, on Amazon Prime Video. If you just search for Discover Indie Film, somewhere in the word indie, you can see Discover India and Discover Indie Film. There's seven seasons so far, and they're all shorts from the festival circuit. And I met Justin at the Sherman Oaks Film Festival. We hold that every November. You can learn more at shermanoaksff.com, and it's at shermanoaksff on social media. Sister Festival Film Invasion Los Angeles is every June. You can learn about it at filminvasionla.com and it's at filminvasionla on social media. Proud to say that this way they go and you know it's, right now both films both film festivals are on the Film Freeway Top 100 Best Reviewed Worldwide out of 12,000 they say. So, I got 2 out of 100 out of 12,000. Kind of proud. 
Might as well brag. Why not? My podcast, I can fucking brag. All right. So, and the last thing to mention is is uh, go to Roku, Amazon Fire TV, Apple TV, Android TV, or iPhone or Android Mobile, and uh, download the app TV High, T-V-H-I, or go to WatchTVHigh.com. Uh, it's a kick-ass streaming service that because I'm just an idiot and like I love all the films on the festival circuit I'm like there's got to be more homes for indie film so TV high almost entirely indie films uh, from the festivals and it is called TV high because they're excellent no matter what state of mind you're in but they could be even better if you're high if you use cannabis in a responsible way I got friends in recovery I don't take it lightly but uh I'm actually able to use cannabis in a way that does not harm my life at all. Just at night, you know, with the wife. What are you going to do? All right. God, I shouldn't talk about this shit. Because <laughs> I grew up, it's still legal in my head. Uh-huh. It's, I still can't figure out that it's legal. <laughs> but it is. It's like it's like having a, it's like drinking beer during the Super Bowl, right? Yeah. All right. Well, anyway, Justin, thanks so much. Thank you so much. And thank you, everyone, for listening. Thank you.